Hello. Hello. Oh, I'm Craig Fields. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I am David Long. And you're listening to week 62 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Uh, we have gone out of the way. Have we? Well, we, we sort of have, yeah. We yeah. always do. We always do. We always try and watch as many <laughs> films as possible, even some of the bad ones, so you, the listener, don't have to. That's right, Craig. And as usual, it's an honour to be behind the mic with you, good sir. And it's, of course, also an honour to be behind the mic with you, <laughs> David Long. Uh, <sighs> David. <laughs> what are we reviewing today, then? So the first film we're kicking off with is June, a truly epic tale with a truly epic cast. This film is based on Frank Herbert's science fiction novel and stars Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, Jason Momoa, Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem and Stellan Skarsgård, to name but a few. It's a truly great cast, but is it a film worth watching? We will let you know. Uh, that we shall. Uh, next on the agenda is Oscar winning director Chloe Zhao's Marvel Eternals. That doesn't sound quite right, is it? <laughs> you put Oscar winnering. I did, didn't I? <laughs> oh, it's been a long day. We've just previously recorded the London Film Festival special, yeah. which I'm sure you have listened to. Yeah. Um, if you haven't, what you're doing? Um, <laughs> Listen to it now, right now. Um, and then we're now onto a, a five episode review special. It's five like film special. review episode, and it's late. It's, it is, it's, it's gone late. Um. Anyway, be... I'll start that bit again, shall I? <laughs> Anyway, that we shall. Uh, <laughs> next on the agenda is the Oscar-winning director Chloe Zhao's attempt at doing a Marvel movie, mm. Eternals. Mm. Uh, it stars Gemma Chan, Camille Nanjiani, Richard Madden, Angelina Jolie, Samit... <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Salma Hayek, Leah McHugh, Brian Tyree Henry, Lauren Ridloff, Barry Keown, Ma Dong Sio. Seok <laughs> and many others I'm sorry it's a huge cast it's late it's a fantastic cast it's a really great cast and there are many other spectacular performances <laughs> and actors within this film um, it's a very different kind of film for the MCU but stay tuned to find out if it's worth it. Indeed, please do. Next up, what we shall be reviewing is Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Tom Hardy is back as Eddie Brock. This film also stars Woody Harrelson, Naomi Harris and Michelle Williams as well as Stephen Graham. I'll then be going hand solo with Ghostbusters Arthur Li- Life. <laughs> oh dear. Park Life. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Park Life. Is, this, is this like... Um... Some kind of forebodement for what this episode is going to be like. It really is. Ghostbusters Afterlife. I I was lucky enough to be invited um, and receive a press screening for this film. Um, I will talk about what that experience was like in the review. Um, But this film is out in the UK on the 18th of November. And I'll be letting you know if it's worth seeing in the cinema. Um, by the way, guys, there are no embargo on this. From the day that I saw it, on the 4th of November, there has mm. been no embargo. That's three weeks before the film comes out, wow. so that's pretty cool. Um, and I'm really looking forward to talking about the film. And then we will round off the episode in our final review, which will be Dear Evan Hansen, a film adaptation of the Tony and Grammy award-winning musical. This film stars Ben Platt, Julianne Moore, Catelyn Dever and Amy Adams. Is the film as good as the musical? And of course, is it worth it? 
we will let you know. <laughs> as well as that, we'll have two reviews from one of our emailing guests. Mm. Uh, Loreline has emailed in with a, uh, a review of Last Night in Soho and the French Dispatch. So I'm really looking forward to reading that out as well as another email as well. Um, we're really happy to have emails to read out. Yeah, delighted. Um, and I'm really looking forward to reading those two out. Um other than that, <laughs> oh boy. How, how are you, David? I mean, we've, we've already said how we are kind of in the other episode. Mm. Um, it's a follow on from that, I suppose. How are you? I'm, you know, I'm doing well, but delighted to be behind the mic with my good, dearest friend, best friend, Craig, and uh, excited to review some films today. But I think the question, Craig, is how are you? And uh, yeah, I'll, over to you. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm okay. all right. Yeah. I mean, it's... This is, uh, in some instances, a sad occasion, mm. um, as I'm about to announce that this will be my last episode behind the mic for Is It Worth It, the film review podcast, um, for about a year or so. I don't know officially when I will be back behind the mic, but I will remain behind the computer yeah. um, as a producer on Is It Worth It? But as of this episode, going forth, I shall not be presenting Is It Worth It? the film review podcast. Um, this It's hard to put into words just why I'm making this decision and how hard it has been to come to this decision. However, um, I'm going to give it a good go um, as... Uh, in a song that dear Evan Hansen says, words fail. <laughs> words fail. Yeah, yeah, um, they do. They do. But I suppose the best reason that I can come to is is one of... of we work tirelessly mm. um, and really hard to try and make something really special for um, listeners and for ourselves to be proud of. Yeah. And... I have struggled to be able to put in the time and the effort into making the show as brilliant as it possibly can be. And I feel, um, I feel as although my time hasn't been put into it enough to make something special essentially. And I don't want to put out content that just doesn't hit the mark for me. And, my time is spent working very hard um doing some a job that's very re rewarding and unfortunately it's difficult to be able to how do i put this it's difficult Go for it, <laughs> i'm trying i'm trying very hard it's difficult because i now have a, a wedding to contribute towards mm. i um working hard to pay the bills i suppose there's yeah. a lot of things like that that goes into it and i want to spend some quality time with my fiance and my friends uh, as well as you david um, <laughs> of course as a, as one of my best friends i want to spend quality time mm. with you that's not just simply making a podcast and for me this was the only step forward because it isn't a financially viable thing for me to do anymore. If I was making money from the podcast, I think we'd be having a very different story. But I want to thank those that have contributed to the podcast via Patreon. Mm. Um, 
you saw something in the show that maybe others didn't and wanted us to succeed in creating something. I must add that the show will still go on. David is still going to be presenting and making content. David is still going to be making Road to the Oscars and will still be reviewing films in the manner that you love to hear. And I will hopefully pop up throughout the year and maybe as a guest reviewing films with David. But ultimately, we will be bringing in guests from around the podcasting world to review films with David in a slightly different way it will still be is it worth it and there will still be banter there i'm sure um but it's fundamentally having to having i've had to reassess things i suppose and i don't want to do that i don't want to stop making the podcast but ultimately it is the right decision um it's a sad occasion in that sense but also a brilliant (laughs) it, it means that i can put my time into doing some other rewarding things as well. Mm. Um, And yeah, that's all I have to say really, but thank you. Well, look, I I wanted to pipe up with a few words here. I think Craig's Craig's explained it very, very well. Um, He has the most wonderful fiance who deserves a massive shout out. And it is just and right for him to spend more time with her as he plans his wedding. He's got a a job that consumes a lot of time and he's amazing at it. And it's very rewarding, but also challenging. And I just want to take this opportunity to thank Craig for everything he's done in my life and also for this podcast. I don't know if I've opened up before on this show, I think I have about my battle with alcohol Mm. and I've, you know, one day at a time on the 25th of December this year, I'll be four years sober. And this podcast has been such a tremendous encouragement for me throughout my sobriety journey, keeping me focused, giving me a real drive and determination. And it's something that will continue to do so. Um, I look forward to celebrating four years sober. Craig has seen me not on the wagon and it's not a present sight. And he helped me get back on the wagon. And the podcast has been a huge the important part of keeping me on the straight and narrow and it will continue road to the Oscars. I'm planning out. Um, we're going to be tweeting. Uh, I might do some written reviews, keep a lookout for us on, on social media. I, I don't know what, how it's going to look me and Craig have got to sit down, but things will continue to come out, but it's my opportunity to thank Craig personally, professionally, I suppose from a podcasting angle for being a best friend, a great co-host and, you know, hopefully we'll be back behind the mic again. At some point, because I love it. Yeah, um, I, I love it as well. And thank you so much for for those very kind words. And I hope you know that you are now the driving force behind the podcast. <laughs> no, no, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. But I am here in that producer capabilities yeah. or that capacity. And I will help you drive it forwards and yeah. still continue to be as, as, as brilliant as it can be. Um but it will just mean that I can dedicate more time elsewhere mm. and less time here. Um, yeah. Wow. How do we how do we go from that into a review? Do we just, you know, I was going to say, and so uh, now I face the final curtain. Also, you can go, but be back soon. You can go, but while you're working, do not forget this tune. Be back soon. There you go. Play the play the jingle. What jingle? The, the sort of outro jingle that leads us into the next. That's the, that's the one. That one? Yeah. All right. Time to make some reviews, shall we? <laughs> Let's do it.
So the first review on this sad occasion, <laughs> get the violins out, you know. Yeah, um, is Dune. This is Paul Atreides, a brilliant and gifted young man, born into a great destiny beyond his understanding. He must travel with his family to the most dangerous planet in the universe to ensure the future of his family and his people. As twisted and dark forces explode into conflict over the planet's exclusive supply of the most precious resource in existence, spice. Only those who can conquer their own fear will survive. Before we take a dive into this review, let's take a listen to a trailer clip. The outsiders ravage our land. Their cruelty to my people is all I've known. You're going tomorrow. Yes, I'm going tomorrow with the advanced team. I'd like you to take me with you. You've been trying to get me court-martialed. Can I trust you with something? I've been having dreams about a girl falling in battle. Felt like a vision. Dreams make good stories, but everything important happens when we're awake. With the future of House Atreides, you have to be ready. There is no call we do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. They're not human, they're brutal. If I'm not dead, you'll still be the only thing I ever needed you to be. Come on! My son. Just wow. What a um, fabulous trailer clip. And where do I start with this film? Well, I start by saying that having never never seen the, I believe, 1984 original film, mm-hmm. nor read any of the books, um, I sort of come to this blind. And in some ways, that's a good thing. In other ways, it's a bad thing. I, I, they did release the 1984 version at my local cinema. I, I should have seen it. I apologise to you, the listener, for not doing so. Um, but this trailer was epic, and I remember seeing the trailer in the cinema thinking, I wonder if they've played all their cards. I wonder if this film's going to be all smoke, no cigar. But there were plenty of cigars with this movie. I'm going to kick off <laughs> by just saying... Regular listeners of the show and Craig will know that I really struggle with science fiction, with having my belief suspended. And I often call certain science fiction films nonsense or unrelatable or, you know, and and I do struggle with that genre. It's a genre that I've come to enjoy more since doing this podcast. Um, But with Dune, I saw this in IMAX. And the first thing I will say is if it is still playing in a local IMAX, see it in the IMAX. The IMAX screen, the sound is just incredible. Um, I was, I'm excited to talk about this film with Craig for a number of reasons, but I'll, I'll just put my cards on the table and say I absolutely loved this. I thought this was an epic, epic film, a real great telling of an intriguing story um and one that had me it had me hooked from the from the first to the very last minute now the running time is is long um and it really it's two hours 35 minutes um 
And the first thing to say about it is, is it literally does just stop. It very much feels like half a movie. And in, in many ways, that's what it is. It's part one. Um, but I was just invested in the characters. I thought the visual effects were some of the best visual effects I've ever seen. Like my jaw was hitting the floor. Um, some of the performances were brilliant and we'll touch upon that later but up front Timothy Chalamet I think he's such a tremendous actor I've seen him in so many films so many different levels to his character but this one was masterfully crafted um Jason Momoa um obviously known for Aquaman and many other things he he gave a really outstanding performance. Stellan Skarsgård's in there, Rebecca Ferguson, Oster Isaac, um, Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem. I mean, the and Charlotte Rampling, if you listen to my last uh, episode, last review of um, Benedetta, um, I said how good she was in there, and she's tremendous in this, in quite a key scene, actually, to the overall plot of the film. Um, so in summary, I was really, really impressed by this. Looking forward to later in the review mentioning its Oscars chances because it has many, many, many. But Craig, what were your hopes and expectations? Have you seen the 1984 film? Have you read any of the books? Did you go in hyped up? Is this a film you enjoyed? You know, what, what, what's, 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 what's occurring? So go back about 10 years and I was first introduced to Dune um, by a, a coffee shop manager oh, wow. uh, where I used to work. Um, his name was Paul, uh, a very good friend of mine. Um, and he lent me the film, the original David Lynch film. He is a big Lynchian fan. Um, and I was immediately drawn into this world. Both he and I knew that I was a big sci-fi Lover, I'm mm. a big lover of um, Ray Bradbury, who is a brilliant dystopian science fiction futurist writer from the 50s and 60s, um, who has made some incredible, fantastic, um, well, has written some incredible, fantastic literature, such as The Illustrated Man and Fahrenheit 451, 431. Can't remember the name of that. That's really bad, but it's brilliant. <laughs> it's iconic. Mm. It's, it's cult classic reason why I bring those up as cult classics is because the Frank Herbert um, novel of Dune is a cult classic as well. Whilst it's a, a huge piece of literature mm. um, in terms of what is this sort of film about in terms of the politics and the family and the rich character history and the incredible science fiction that goes into this as well. And the fact that it's set in the future, it, it became a classic in that sense in the sci-fi world. It doesn't grab everybody. It's something that really you have to be on top form to understand the intricacies and nature of what the almost politics are within mm. that that world and this universe that, that Frank Herbert has created. Now, to adapt it is quite a difficult feat. I know there was a sci-fi channel adaptation, like miniseries, that did quite well um, and hooked quite a lot of people. The David Lynch film from 1984, did we say? It was 84, yeah. Yeah, um, I have watched that. And whilst it fundamentally was, was brilliant in some aspects, it didn't quite have the technology to do what this Dune was mm. able to do. Uh, Denny Villeneuve is an obviously a fantastic director. We know he is from the other works that he has done. Um, 
you know, to name one or two, David, you've got that up right now. Gone. You tell me one. Obviously, Blade Runner. Mm. Um, was it twenty forty nine? Isn't yeah, it? And and the epic, really very mysterious arrival. Yeah. Um. And I mean Sicario. He was the director of Sicario. Yeah, I mean, so he he he's somebody who is well rounded, uh, a well rounded director who understands the fundamental of character development and vast universes that need to be adapted. Blade Runner twenty forty nine is an, a perfect example that gives him uh, the ability to direct a film such as Dune, and I think Arrival also allows that because of the 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 fantastic character development that's in there the grounded nature of of those characters yeah. mixed with the brilliant science fiction element that goes into it so you combine those two elements together of, of the futuristic uh blade runner mm. with the grounded nature of the science fiction element in a, a more modern universe with the politics and, and and language barriers and all that sort of thing that goes in hand in hand with arrival you come with the conclusion of Dune being Denis Villeneuve's next directional piece mm. or directorial piece. Why do I say that though? Well, I say that because the the, the difficulty of Denny of, of of adapting this, I think he Denis Villeneuve is the only person who could have taken this on and created this universe. I truly, truly believe that. I think David Lynch did a very good attempt at it. He David Lynch is so out there. Mm. Um the intricacies of the politics and 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 what goes on there and and then the, the the element of spice yeah did you understand what spice was very valuable so it's a very valuable commodity <laughs> yes. yes and for our listeners who may have watched it but didn't quite understand it or for those who are maybe going to watch it and might want a bit of back history mm. here spice is yes a very valuable commodity but it allows intergalactic space travel it's a drug almost mm. and and those that are able to uh who drive the vehicles or fly the vehicles that allow intergalactic space travel can only be able to to navigate the universe once they have used spice spice is it gives them these heightened almost psychic abilities yeah. to be able to do this intergalactic space travel so it's so valuable so so valuable but once, but, but there are different families or different uh, rulers within the universe that are a part of a galactic force of some sort that have been tasked with mining the spice on this desolate planet. It's yeah. a it's a, a sand dune essentially. Yeah, um, a with, bloody dangerous one. A that? very very dangerous one. And there are people that live on this planet who who do not mine for the spice, and something happens to the previous occupiers that were mining the spice. They just seem to vanish. And I know I'm giving a bit of a backstory here, but I think it's important because to to, to understand the nature of this film, you need to understand the story, and to simplify it for you, you will get a bit more enjoyment out of it, I think. Um, So, yes, something has happened and the family of Atreides must now go in and mine the spice on the say-so of the Emperor, wasn't it? 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's now, they've now gone in to mine it, but they don't un- quite understand why they're having to go and do this, but they obey. Um, But what follows is that there could be a bit of a stitch up here. Mm. We don't know why, we don't know how, um, but there is. And there is the, so there is this politics that's going on in the background that we don't quite understand and we may not understand until the next film, possibly. So that's a basic synopsis of the film, but we have our characters here. And this is where I want you to come in now and just briefly talk about Timothy Charlemagne um, and, and, and the rest of the cast and who they are, and why they are, or who they're playing, really. And, um, and maybe give a bit of background to them to be able to give this, this review a bit more coverage in terms of what this film's about. Well, no, no pressure there at all. <laughs> Timothy Charlemagne uh, plays Paul Atreides. Um, his dad is played by Oscar Isaac, uh, Duke Leo Atreides. Um, we heard in the clip there a fascinating father-son relationship. The dynamic between them is is incredible. Um, you've got Rebecca Ferguson as Lady Jessica Atreides. Um, and then this mysterious, um, Shan- is it Shanai? Um, played by Zendaya, this mysterious indigenous person of, of this planet that... Timothy Charlemagne has visions of. And that's where I really get sucked in because Zendaya has been sort of marketed as a major part of this movie. And she's not actually in this movie much at all. She's really going to sort of come to the fore in, in the second, um, in the second movie, Jason Momoa is Duncan Idaho. Um, he sort of plays this almost, he's almost part of the family, but he's not. Um, he's like a warrior. Yeah, He's a warrior, a protector, a guardian, the emperor, Baron Vladimir, Harakon, uh, Harkoen, something like that. I do apologise. It's played by Stellan Skarsgård, who gives a really bizarre performance. One point, he has a rather large mud bath. You've got um, fun fact for you. Go ahead. He wanted more nudity. More nudity from him. Okay, I mean, he demanded it. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say to that. Um, his character was ghostly and evil and very evil bizarre javier bardem is in there he plays a very pivotal role in the plot in one particular where there's a fight scene and he sort of ordains or sees over the fight um i mean the charlotte rampling as reverend mother uh, mahayam um fascinating performance from her there's something very Macbeth about this film in it's terms very of story yes and it's or shakespearean even. it is very shakespearean it's a very it's very a science fiction Shakespearean story playing mm. out on another world. Yeah, I mean it's it's heavy. You know that this is the kind of movie that I I would love to rewatch. I I will rewatch it. But there's lots there, and like you said, it's it, what in Shakespearean in the sense that it's it's epic. There's betrayal. There's family history. There's, there's love. There's, there's love scandal. The scandal. It, you're right. It's very Shakespearean. It's a Shakespearean space opera tragedy. Tragedy, yeah. Um, is there any particular performances that you wanted to highlight as being sort of standout? Or is there any... I know you were a big <clears> fan <throat> of Jason Momoa. Yeah, big fan of Jason Momoa in there. Um, big fan of Rebecca Ferguson as well. I I think they gave out some very brilliant performances. Oscar Isaac is solid and absolutely fantastic. Um, Timothy Chardonnay as well, obviously. Um, we, we've followed his career throughout the podcast and and continue to do so and and 
I strongly believe that he will be winning an Oscar at some mm. point in his life. Absolutely agree. In in this film, I feel like he he's brilliant. He is the lead in this film. But Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaacs, and and Jason Momoa are the ones that stand out for me because they are the least typical that I would see think that would jump out at me from this film. I want Chim Charlemagne to jump out of the screen mm. for me. But these guys give these performances that really kind of slightly overshadow that performance in some ways. Um, Timothy Charlemagne is like this very slow, brooding teenager almost. Mm. And he does very well at doing that. But there's this quality of him that is expected from his family, etc., that they don't quite seem to bring to the forefront until maybe the end. And that's where Timothy Charlemagne gives his his best in this performance. I I think I would really... Well, I'm really excited for the sequel. Yeah. Because this all this does, this film, very much so, is set it up for an unravelling of story and, and finding out what's been going on and why these have been this mystery of what's going on here will be solved i hope zendaya isn't in the film as much as she is in the trailer yeah and that was slightly disappointing but to be expected i suppose i fundamentally love this film mm. i think it's epic i think the the cinematography and 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 just the way it plays out on the screen is just stunning. Mm. I think the story is is difficult to follow for, for some, or it will be difficult to follow for some, and it will mean, require a rewatch of some sort. But it is brilliant. I I adore this film. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Um, I mean, I obviously went in, like I said, fairly blind, and the plot is is not easy to follow. And if, if I was to be put on the spot and someone said to me, David, what's June about? I would struggle to give them a, a synopsis that wouldn't confuse yeah, them. And I hope I managed to explain I it think and you, simplify do you know, it. Do you know what? I think you did an absolutely outstanding job. Um, what did I want to talk about? Ah, oh, yes. So the element of this film that obviously the sound is great, the production design, the cinematography uh, from Greg Fraser, one time Oscar nominee cinematographer there. What do you think I'm going to say really sold this film to me to the point where I, I stayed right until the end of the credits to absorb it? Soundtrack? Yes. Hans Zimmer. Um, the music by Hans Zimmer is... It's so epic. It's biblical. It fits this movie so, so well. Um, it... it on the big screen on the IMAX I just I just loved the soundtrack I loved what I saw I loved the fact that I got half a movie and I'm desperate for the sequel um, unless you had anything else to add I wanted to ask you and put you on the spot a little bit go for it um, Oscar's chances I've obviously done a lot of research into this you're coming a little bit less researched and this is on the spot yeah what do you think it's Oscar's chances are because it's interesting uh, I don't think it's the best picture I think okay. it is definitely a, a cinematography nomination. Um, I think soundtrack-wise, it's probably got a bit of a nomination going there. Yeah. Um, I can't see much of the cast being nominated, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I, possibly director. And I think that's about it, really. Yeah, I mean, 
the the interesting thing is is some of the punditry um say this could be nominated craig in up to 11 categories 11 11 so it could get director picture adapted screenplay cinematography production design costume design film editing makeup and hairstyling sound visual effects and original score by Hans zimmer which would sort of give it good legs for a for a best picture yeah win. Oh, do you know what it's fascinating you should say that if this was a standalone movie I think it would have a very, very strong hand in Best Picture. But it would have to have an ending that yes. that was satisfying. And that if it was standalone, it doesn't have a satisfying Absolutely. ending, unfortunately. So I don't I don't see it being a Best Picture winner because no. it, they'd like to have films that, you know, tie everything up in a bow. Yeah. You know, there's a beginning, middle and an end. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be in that order, like Tenet. But, <laughs> but it, it needs to have some kind of valid ending mm. that doesn't have a sequel i mean have there ever been films that were a sequel that's one best picture i'm sure there have been lord of the rings lord of the rings return of the king what about godfather part two yes craig you're a magician the godfather part two did win an oscar for best picture off, ah. the, top, off the top of my head i'm not sure what else okay, what so, other sequels have won but sequels have won but they are sequels that are like endings so yes. i would you know what i'm gonna go out on a whim here and say that dune part two could be a best picture winner in the future but this one isn't. Yes, I totally agree with you. I, now that potentially I might be talking bottom, but I think there's a chance for this to be a three-parter. I think. Do you reckon? Yeah, I thought. Well, the first one we'd have to look at the box office numbers, but I did see something on Twitter um, where they broke it down into three parts. But I think you're absolutely right. Very, very briefly, if it gets nominated for up to eleven Oscars, which it could. I mean, I think it's more likely to be six seven maybe eight i don't see how that can't then be nominated for picture i don't think how you can say all of those categories and the undercard it's getting nominated but it's not getting nominated for picture the only reason it might not get nominated for picture is because it doesn't have anything in the acting categories um yeah but it's okay if it's going to win anything it's going to be director cinematography and probably soundtrack or score, whatever you call it these days. Original score, um, visual effects, I think it's bound to win that. Yeah. Uh, sound, I think it could win that. Um, Jesus. Production design, I mean, the production design on the film is absolutely incredible. Um, film editing, if it gets a nomination there, it's bound to be nominated for Best Picture. I'll save it for Road to the Oscars, but what we're saying is it's going to be nominated for a lot of Oscars. I don't think it will win Best Picture, but I genuinely think June Part 2 or June Part 3, however many they do, will be a genuine Best Picture contender. But I want this to be nominated for Best Picture because I thought it was absolutely superb. Yeah. i've just gone on a bit of a rant there confused about lord of the rings then craig pops up with godfather part two who's the real oscar pundit it's not me it's craig fields it's not me um (laughs) so i i think we can round it off with questions now i think so i hope that made sense i don't want to overburden people with oscars but it's going to get a lot of nominations it'll be fascinating to see how many yeah all right then david dune is it worth it dune is 100 percent worth it if um you know, I'm not sure if it's still in the IMAX. It's certainly still in cinemas. If you can see this in the IMAX, go and see it on the biggest screen possible. There's one in London that's like the size of the the, the world. Go and see it in that. <laughs> go and see it in the biggest screen possible. Get some popcorn and dive into it. It's 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 an epic epic film. Really is worth a watch. Craig, for you, Dune. 
the Oscars expert, is it worth it? <laughs> Dune is definitely worth a watch. Um, if you are a fan of of the previous materials, then you're going to love this one. Mm. Um, I think I think the adaptation has been done very faithfully, and it's done as well as it possibly can be. Um, the cinematography is incredible. It is a true epic of all proportions, and it's totally worth going to see in the cinema. And like David said, get your popcorn and truly dive into this film. You are going to absolutely love it. Um, so that was Dune. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> it's not done yet. So our second film on this very sad episode is <laughs> so somber. <laughs> Eternals. This film is about the Marvel's latest superhero family to join the MCU, an immortal alien race who emerge from hiding after thousands of years to protect the Earth from ancient counterparts, the Deviants. Directed by Oscar winner Chloe Zhao and featuring a tremendous ensemble cast. And um, before we let you know if this film is worth it. Um, I think Craig has managed to source a clip, so let's take a little listen and we'll see you on the other side. Five years ago, Thanos erased half of the population of the universe. But the people of this planet brought everyone back with a snap of a finger. The sudden return of the population provided the necessary energy for the emergence to begin. How long do we have? Seven days. We're Eternals. We came here 7,000 years ago. To protect humans from the deviants. Why didn't you guys help fight Thanos? Or any war, or all the other terrible things throughout history? We were instructed not to interfere in any human conflicts unless deviants are involved. By who? We need to find the others. So that was a trailer clip for Eternals. Um, where do I begin with this review, hey? Um, so as a big Marvel cinematic fan, I was really looking forward to the uh, Eternals being brought into the cinematic universe. Um, notably because they have a very interesting story. And as uh, Gemma Chan very uh, briefly uh, summarised what their story was about, uh, they are Eternals. They are... Um, beings that have been sent to Earth to protect Earthlings uh, or, or human beings or the creatures of the planet Earth um, from their counterparts, the Deviants. Mm. Um, and you can hear Kit Harrington in there saying, who sent you? Who told you to do this? Um, <laughs> well, the answer to that, it pops up in the trailer. It's the Celestials. Mm. Uh, these are a race of beings that... Um, well, they're quite godly, and they basically made the Eternals. Mm. The Eternals are children of the Celestials. Uh, for reasons that get explained in the film, why they are truly sent there uh, it is 
a, a fascinating science fiction story in that sense. Uh, very excited to have Chloe Zhao directing the film. When I saw, when I when I heard that that was happening, I was really excited. Um, following Chloe Zhao's career from from The Rider, that was the first film that we saw by Chloe Zhao. We thought that was an absolutely fantastic piece of of directing um, and filmmaking. In we've we've talked about it so many times from from the review of Nomadland, well, from The Rider when we reviewed that. I mean. I mean, that just goes to show how long we've been making the podcast now that we saw The Rider yep, I remember in it well. the cinema. And I remember it very well. And I remember it very well because it was just brilliant, absolutely fantastic. And it was it was the piece from Chloe Zhao that I most thought would be nominated for an Oscar. Nomadland, of course, was and went on to win Best Picture. But I still feel that The Rider missed out there. Um, it just didn't have the legs to obviously do it. It didn't have the cast to do it and it was relatively uh, small it was a relatively small film and Chloe Zhao was obviously a relatively small name um jumping forward to to now and Chloe Zhao is a big name in in Hollywood and is has been brought on, brought on board by Kevin Feige the producer of the MCU the the godfather of the MCU and she her what does she bring to the table here what do we think she brings well she brings this grounded element this humanizing factor that people love about her films she she her style though probably was left at the back door in favor for a more traditional mcu style however those two elements seem to have clashed here and i feel like they've cut a lot of what makes chloe zhao chloe zhao but keeping in the the wide expanse cinematography, the beautiful golden hour shots that she absolutely adores to do, no less than in the rider. Mm. But losing that other quality, that that bringing in of actors and actresses who aren't actually actors and actresses yeah. to perform as themselves, but still giving a almost fictional performance. It's a very strange concept that she loves to do, but instead she's gone for bringing in and rightly so big stars into this film now David you've got the list there who have we got in this film big stars here uh, well we've also got um, Salma Hayek um, Kit Harrington. Uh, we have Gemma Chan uh, Richard Madden uh, Angelina Jolie um, Brian Tyree Henry um, Matt Dong Siok um, Bill Skarsgård there's loads there's absolutely loads Liam McHugh keep going keep going because um, it's not even the full tar- cast well here we go um, Harish Patel um, who come else do you want Har- <laughs> nearly gave away a spoiler then um, come on come on main, main, main actor there David where come on right there which one you're hovering on him oh uh, come on Anjani yeah and he, there's more Barry Keehan yeah, I think I mentioned him. Did you? Yeah, there's Lauren? a lot. Lauren, why why don't why don't you read them out if you want to? I mean, I can't really see it from there. <laughs> I think the point Craig's making is there's a lot of big names. There's in a huge there's a huge cast here, and mm. and Chloe Zhao has picked these people because she feels like they're normal people or that that their normal selves feels right for the casting that she's made. So essentially, these people reflect who 
the their characters are. That was her way of picking them. Um, I feel like, <laughs> as it's a very diverse cast, I think yeah. that's very interesting for her to have done that. There's, there's, you know, um, sex scenes in the film. There's a lot of boundaries that Chloe Zhao is trying to break here. Um, there's a gay relationship within the film as well. This is all like pretty new ground for the MCU. I think she's trying to do too much within this film. There's two. There, there, I mean, and obviously, mm. Eternals is a big cast. There's a lot of. There's about a, ten superheroes that she's trying to to manage, manage here <laughs> and have a backstory to. The the film does very well to display 7,000 years worth of history of the what these people are have done or these Eternals have been doing in that time. Mm. Yet, it still feels like a lot of these characters and actors are very underutilised. No less so than probably two of my favourite. Um, Barry Keown and Lauren Ridloff, I believe they are the two characters or actors and actresses there that have portrayed two characters that are very intriguing. Um, one of which is death. Yeah. Which I thought was very unique to have on, on there. Um, and so on, or who gives a really stoic performance with, with Barry Keir. And he, he gives this performance that's troubled and, you know, shows the humanity within himself. Yet, what uh, it's so emotional yeah. and and it's such a a strong performance from him and i wanted to see a lot more of that yet because it's such a huge film it's like two and a half hours long yet you still don't get the the well-roundedness of the characters chloe Zhao has done her absolute best here but i mm. feel like the 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 studio has constricted that trying to keep it the keep the formulaic you know, jokes and humour that we get, you know, that's done so well with Shang-Chi. Mm. And the humour in here is, is very good. It's very good, but they they've keep, they have try to keep to the formula. And you yeah. know what? I wanted them to keep more to the formula here because, because it is that big film. Chloe Zhao is coming, trying to change, you know, trying to make this very different and trying to, you know, within that sandbox of the MCU, mm. how can she make it different and put more in there? And it feels, it feels overburdened and very troubled. Like it's solid film. It is a solid film, but there is, there's a lot to dislike about it as much there as there is to like about it. And I sat in a packed cinema and at the end, everyone came out saying, what did I just watch? What was that? Like, when you go to an MCU film, you go in with expectations of, of getting action blown and blown away, blown away with, with the character, with these characters that are just so unique to Marvel comics. And we've been given something that's very different and very, and, and, and that's normally I would be, you know, really behind Chloe Zhao in, in, in doing something different. But I was so, I missed, I missed the elements of what makes the MCU brilliant. And I'm troubled with this film because I, 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 
I knew it wasn't getting a lot of good reviews. I didn't read the reviews, mm. and I went in with high expectations, with hoping that Chloe Zhao could had pulled something off amazing, and I was hoping that for a long time. And I came out quite deflated, I'll be honest. And I've been rambling there for quite a bit. I'm sorry. No, that was... I really, really enjoyed that. I was going to try and sneak in and see if I could get the Rotten Tomato scores, um, but I haven't got time. Um, I can't multitask. Uh, I don't know what they are. Look them up for yourself. I And Craig's right. I, I haven't actually... I, t- I do tend to sometimes look at reviews before reviewing, but I've sort of not looked at the reviews for this. Well, if you want to have some Rotten Tomatoes... Okay, here, you've got them. 47% from the critics 80% oh. from the audiences which I'm surprised because I'm, the yes, audience I. that I saw that I that I went in with were very disappointed they genuinely were no more so after the first end credit scene I'll yeah. be honest no spoilers but that was <sighs> some of the worst CGI I've seen from Marvel it was almost like they ran out of money yeah yeah <laughs> I think that and then and then a casting choice as well yeah I mean for a new character was took me out of the film I'll be honest people laughed in my screening verbally audibly loudly um that that first end credit scene is is troubling um baffling in many ways um I get the sense from you Craig that this was a real mixed bag and all I can say about the eternals is I was or Eternal, sorry. I was struggling with this film. I was struggling to... T- I'm not an MCU sort of fanatic. I don't fully understand it. I do my best to review the films. You know, there'll be people with a lot more knowledge than, than me out there. I did struggle to understand how the Eternals really fit into the wider cinematic universe with Thanos and what happened and the fundamental, not the morality, but the element of them being able to intervene but not intervening was questionable. Um, and Absolutely, it, but they They do been, explain why. They do. and I mean, if I can, I can give a bit of backstory here. The Celestials are these massive godly creatures mm. that have been around since the existence of the universe and... Their way of procreating is to seed planets, essentially. They created the Eternals to harbour life on these planets, which allow these seeds to grow. However, there are deviants that were created, but were the anticipate... How do you say this word? Anticipated? No, they were the... Antagonists. Antagonists, yes. I, oh, I was late. Um, they are the antagonists, <laughs> but were created also by the Celestials. Yeah. Now, I suppose this is a bit of a spoiler review, really, isn't it? Um, I mean, you're going there. I am going um, there. I don't d- care. Well, yeah, if you, you know, skip forward to the next review. Well, let's go for it. It's, it's the last time you're behind the mic. You go for it, my friend. Okay, well, these Eternals are there to allow the human race to prosper, which with intelligent life forms gives the seed energy. Mm. This is, as, and as you heard in the trailer, the emergence is coming. Yeah. The emergence of this seed, essentially. The reason they're not allowed to intervene with things that are happening is because they were told to not do so by the Celestials. Yeah. Because they want all they want is this bit of encouragement to allow them to evolve at the proper rate mm. to allow for this yeah. seed to grow. If they advance too quickly, 
they may die and the seed will not form. Mm. So it's a it's a quite a, an intricate story in some ways. Yes, it is. It's it's mind-boggling. It's baffling. It's You've weird done a, and a, philosophical. Yes. and it's troubled as mm. well because it has so much going on. So much going on. It's trying to be what Guardians of the Galaxy did, which was, you know, being that space film and having this the weird side of the MCU come out. But it's no Iron Man. It's not what Iron Man did for phase one. Yeah. Okay, it's, 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 it's a difficult one to review because it, it, opens, it opens a box of frogs here. Mm. There's frogs all over the place. Look, Where do they go from here? How does it fit in? You know, it, it, well, it fits in quite there's, well. There's, the there's multiverse a, is yeah. forming. The Celestials are going to be the big bad guys, I'm sure, of some kind. Um, there's a lot more to play out here. I'm, 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 I'm really sure of that. Um, there's always, there is always a path laid out in front of for all of these films where yeah. they will end up with a final outing of some kind, like Avengers Endgame before the next phase of films. Kevin Feige is very good at creating these paths. So there is always something there. We struggle to see it from this one, but no less are we struggling to see it because I think it is flawed, this film, very much so. And I think I think as an introduction to these characters, we haven't really got the basis of finding the path, the pathos and the connection and... The, the love for the characters that we were, we were hoping to have. We, we don't care for these characters as much as we probably would have if there were less of them within the film, if they totally were able agree. to develop more. You know, they develop them as much as they can, but I just don't get, I just don't understand their motives as much as, the, as, as Iron Man, who I yeah. totally get. Like, I totally got his development and I root, you root for him. I'm not rooting for any of them, really. Yeah. I'm, re- I'm, ru- I'm rooting for two of them, maybe. Mm. And that's it. Yeah, would you, I'm trying to think of a food analogy. Did you ever watch MasterChef? Well, kind of. But do you know when someone, and regular listener Paul Newbegin will love this, you know when someone on MasterChef tries to do too much with the plate and it's just too busy? Mm. Do you think that's this film? It needed to just be stripped oh, yeah. back a bit, simplified. Yeah. And this is not a criticism of, of Zhao because I think it's a it's a damn good effort. And let me tell you, I, I, the film grew on me. I was struggling an hour, an hour and 15 in. But it's, it grew on me as the characters developed and we got the backstory. Um and the film does an amazing job of floating around, you know, so many different locations across the globe. Very, very interesting in the history, and it's set in the present, but there's constant flashbacks to the past. So it's it sort of slowly feeds you, but there's too much on the plate in essence, and it, it turns out to be a bit of a jumble, um, and it just needs to be, you know, stripped back and, and simplified, you know, simplified and, and made a little bit more clean, yeah. I would say. Definitely. It's a troubled film. It's it's one. Of, it's probably one of my least favourite Marvel films. I'll be honest. Less so than what was the one that was pretty terrible? Was it the first Hulk? I mean, that was pretty bad, but that wasn't part of the MCU. It was the second Hulk film. Okay, it was but <laughs> the oh dear. Uh, the four two Dark World was pretty poor. Mm. 
um, but ended up setting up a lot for the for that phase of of, of the universe um, of the MCU, where this is also trying to set things up, but kind of doesn't. It's too complicated in that sense. It's trying to set things up for the future and kind of fails in doing so. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it other than I was actually really disappointed. I'm, well, I'm glad you came to that conclusion because off air and, and over text, Craig, we put on Twitter, Craig sent me a very, very funny text, which really did have me in stitches. You were very split on the film, but I think that you sort of, you're, um, you've come down on the side of disappointment. Yeah, 100%. But the question is, and it's the name of the podcast, are you, are you ready for the questions, Craig? Go for it. Um, it's a troubled film, and we both agree on that, but is it worth it, Craig? The Etern- or Eternals, is it worth it? I think I think for the visual aspect, it's worth going to see in the cinema. Um, if you are a Marvel fan, you're going to go and see this in the cinema, no matter what. You want to go and see it because because you follow all of the stories, and they will always lead you to the next film, essentially. So this is no different in that respect. So if you are a fan, you're going to see it. So yes, it's worth it in that sense. If you are somebody who hasn't followed the MCU and don't know all the backstories to all the characters and you're going into this as one of the first films you're going to be seeing because it's just a sci-fi film that you fancy, um, you will be sorely disappointed because you just, I just don't, as a standalone film, it is standalone. But I do feel like your expectations will not be met. Uh, like uh, as an MCU fan, your expectations may not be met either, but you're going to go and see it. But with this one, I feel like if you're not going to go and see any other MCU films, then you're not, you're not going to get a payoff later da- on down the line for seeing this. Mm. You know, it's spectacular in the sense that it's beautifully shot and there's some brilliant acting going on. So maybe it's worth it for that. But I think fundamentally the story is flawed and the way it unfolds is flawed, and people well, and people are underutilized, and it's sad, really. Yeah, well, very sad. Sorry to hear you say that. <laughs> oh Lord. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be quite brief. Do you want to ask me the question? Yeah. Is it worth it? Yes. Really? I think it's worth a watch. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Well, it's a simple yes, no. Lol. Well, that was the uh, Eternals review. That was, uh, I, I enjoyed that. And uh, yes, it's worth it, like I said. I mean, it was long, rambly form of disappointment just like the Eternals that review I think I, I think it was a good review I'll have to I'll have to listen back to it dear listener let us know drop us an email drop us a tweet if you didn't like the review feel free to abuse us <laughs> oh. okay well our next review is Venom Let There Be Carnage another Marvel film but not made by the Marvel Cinematic Universe no this is made by Sony Pictures and it sees Eddie Brock uh, is still struggling to coexist with the shape-shifting extraterrestrial Venom uh, when deranged serial killer Cletus Cassidy also becomes host to an alien symbiote. Brock and Venom must put aside their differences to stop his reign of terror. We don't have a clip, so we're going to delve straight into this review of Venom, Let There Be Carnage. David, I'm going to let you start this one because I was long rambly in Eternals because I'm tired. 
And I am also tired, dear crowd, tired of terrible sequels. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not going to go straight off the bat and say Venom Let There Be Carnage is terrible, but it, formulaic and predictable. Um, obviously, Tom Hardy is reprising his role as Eddie Brock. Um, I think Tom Hardy is is really good in this film and it, in many ways is it, he's the saving grace um quick rotten tomatoes deep dive um critics 59% from 237 reviews sorry critics 59% from 237 reviews and audi- Are you tired too audience 84% from 5000 reviews i'm shocked at the critic score higher than i thought i'm shocked at the audience score higher than i thought this film has a no, very no you know what i'm not shocked what you, you no i'm not shocked because okay i'm gonna circle back okay to when we reviewed the first film okay should have re-listened to that but i didn't yeah <laughs> <laughs> the first film sucked it really okay. did it didn't only it didn't come into its own until like the end yes which was the action pack bit so what i liked about that film was like yeah the action pack stuff What I didn't like was Eddie Brock. I didn't like Tom Hardy's portrayal of Eddie Brock. Oh, wow. Because Tom Hardy, for me, wasn't Eddie Brock. And he never has been and never was. But I've learned to accept that moving into this next film. And I know it's not really the true portrayal of Eddie Brock and Venom that I would like to see. However, the CGI of Venom is the best portrayal of Venom in in a cinema uh, in a cinematic history, put it that way. The only other time it's been in the cinema would have been Spider-Man Three, and rewatching that recently, that sucked. Like Venom had no personality mm. in in Spider-Man Three; it was simply being shone through with. I mean, there was no, there was just manipulation of character. Mm. Within Spider-Man 3. Within this one, Venom is its own entity, its own personality. It has its own thought and voice, literally. (laughs) Yeah, a great voice it is as well. And in the first one, it was finding its feet. Mm. Literally finding its feet and finding its its legs. The balance of humour and action. I think Andy Serkis on board here to direct um, Venom Let There Be Carnage. And I'm instantly more on board with it because it's it finds the, the balance between humor and action really well i still don't see tom hardy as being eddie brock but i've accepted it more now mm. i think michelle um uh williams yeah michelle here we go michelle williams is very underutilized within the film as an incredible actress as she is she she's totally underutilized I, uh, as well as some other performances in there, I will touch upon a bit later on. But it is fundamentally a much better film than the first one. And I understand the audience's score being like this because I've seen it twice now. And oh, it, wow. And, and I, I've, I enjoy it on a second watch as well. And I'm shocked that I'm saying that because I did really hate the first film. Yeah. Really hate it. Yet I somehow enjoyed this a lot more. A lot more. And because I enjoyed it, I think as an audience person, as an audience member, or just an ordinary cinema goer, it's a good bit of fun. At an hour and a half long, 93 minutes I think it is, like 
it is absolutely delivers the action and humor that you want from uh, from from going to the cinema sometimes and you know it's outside of the MCU kind of mm. one day it will be brought into the MCU without a shadow of a doubt yeah and they are working towards that how it fits in I'm not quite sure but you know what I like this portrayal of venom maybe not eddie brock but i like i like what venom looks like how he how he is quite funny and humorous and what he does and i quite like that i like that you hate it don't you i no 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 not at all i i don't hate the film i i laughed there's a number of you know quite funny moments and i do think venom's very very good i love the voice i love the style i love the the cgi um I think Woody Harlson brings a dark and twisted element to Cletus Cassidy. I think he plays him very, very well. Naomi Harris's Francis Barrison's also um, good and I would say underutilised. It just felt to me like the film was made because it could be made, not because it needed to be made. And it's only an hour and 37 minutes, but it... it, it I think the plot's quite weak. I think I thought the fin- I mean, let there be carnage. Was there much carnage? I mean, could there have been more carnage? There could have been more carnage. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's not. Do you know what? There are certain films, and we reviewed them on on the last episode on the London Film Festival, that really deserve a deep dive and analysis, a rewatch. Do you know what? This is the film where you go in and you you have a bit of fun, and I did have some fun, but it's not going to be winning any awards. It. It, it's 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 okay it's it's a puff piece i think it's it's over it oversells itself and if you strip it back there's not a, a huge amount there to like but it's it's enjoyable enough i'm i'm very surprised that you enjoyed it yeah um, you, you know i think i i let myself enjoy it more because the first one's an origin story mm. and i know the origin of venom and it didn't do it justice yeah this is a separate story. I've moved on from that origin story and I'm looking at this as a separate thing. And I, and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the, the, the action and I enjoyed the humor and, and, and I, I, I let it be what it was. Mm. And I, and I liked it for that. That's, that's all I can say really. I mean, it's, for me, it's outside of that MCU thing. That's why I got stuck with the Eternals. It's part of the MCU, mm. and they all have to have a bring a certain element of, you know, con- connected connectivity. Yes. Um, and one thing follows the other, and there is this formulaic thing going on with the MCU. And when you deviate from that, you get the Eternals. You do. You mm. get something that's slightly disappointing because Chloe Zhao's tried to be different and should be actually honoured for doing that. Yet she she hasn't. She's actually been criticised quite heavily for being like that. And I think it's a good thing for, for doing that, but I still am criticising it. It's strange. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say, I'm, yeah. I'm part of that fandom that, that likes the formulaic version of the mcu Mm. i I like that it's sad but it's true venom is outside of that system and i enjoyed it yeah it's it's a bit more original in in that sense andy circus had room and scope but and did so in 93 minutes and it's not a lot of time to develop the characters as much as he could do 
But, and and that's where Michelle Williams gets let down by not yeah. allowing her to, to have more scope in, in developing her character. But it's just not needed. It's one of those films that 93 minutes is the sort of perfect length for this sort of film, I think. Yeah. And uh, talking of length, before we round this review off... Are you, I, are you saying I, I rumbled? No, no, not at I all. I am rambling quite You're a not lot. rambling at all. Stephen Stephen Graham, um, I just thought he gave a great performance. I think he's beyond solid in everything he's done, as, everything he does as Detective Mulligan. Um, I thought he was sort of the knight in shining armour in this film. Yeah, I, I think expect to see more from him in within this this sort of Sony picture universe as well. Wow. I mean, he's such a talented actor. I could list off a load of things that he's done, but I won't. Uh, what I will do is ask you, dearest Craig, Venom, let there be carnage. Is it worth it? Yeah, I think this is definitely worth a watch, especially if you are a fan of Spider-Man and, and, and Venom, etc., etc. One day they will meet, and I'm sure it will be spectacular, but this film isn't as spectacular as I was hoping it could be, um, but it certainly saved itself from the previous film and was certainly a lot more enjoyable than, than I was expecting. Um, David Venom, that there be carnage, is it worth it? I'm also going to say, and tentatively, yes. I mean, I wouldn't go out of my way to recommend this film, but I do think it's worth a watch. And if you're going to watch it, make sure you watch it in the cinema. I think it's something that would do well on the big screen. Excellent. Uh, we're going to move straight on into our next little bit here that we've got, a new little segment that we're doing for today because we have so many emails. Uh, <laughs> it's emails. Emails. do 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 Great little jingle. Uh, Our first email (laughs) comes from The Gaming Bear. He says, hey guys, just thought I'd drop you both an email just to say, well, hey, hope you guys are doing well. Don't worry, I'm still listening to you guys in between nappy changes and work. Obviously, being a new dad, trips to the cinema have been somewhat limited, but I have managed to see Free Guy, Shang-Chi, Black Widow and Old. Ah, yes, (laughs) Old. Hmm. It wasn't awful. Certainly a film that gets you talking about it uh, for better or worse. Anyway, keep up the great work, chaps. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on all films. Well, maybe not all. You're not machines. We're certainly not. Um, (laughs) As well as your humorous ramblings. Hopefully Little Willow will enjoy trips to the cinema as much as her mum and dad. I've attached a picture of a slightly haggard father me and his wonderful daughter enjoy all the best guys from the bear oh what a great email and the picture is great you're not haggard you look fantastic mate congratulations mm. um it's a real pleasure to get emails like this yeah um especially on my last presenting outing um, yeah I'm really sad um no genuinely brings uh it shows reason why we do this absolutely um, and it does actually make it quite sad that i'm not going to be presenting going forward but i'm sure david will continue to receive emails from you guys and and will enjoy reading them out that's yeah i just want to say to the gaming bear congratulations on the birth of your beautiful daughter and i was so honestly just moved by the email the photo it was wonderful to see craig forwarded it to me i got it at work and it genuinely made my day so thanks mate we appreciate you listening keep listening and hopefully we'll keep bringing you good content 
Absolutely. Uh, we have uh, two emails now from Loreline, and uh, she says, I'd like to give a review of the French Dispatch, but unfortunately, my partner and I <laughs> fell asleep midway through the film for about 10 minutes each. And we have a little emoji there without a mouth. Um, <laughs> not that it was a boring film. It held our interest, but didn't grip us. If we'd been watching it at home, I'm sure we would have been scrolling Twitter or reading an article. An analogy would be a warm, pleasant bath that is so comfortable that you just drift off and the film was very much like that. We'll buy it when it comes out on digital streaming and probably watch it while doing something else. <laughs> oh, God. Fair enough. Um, I'm a bit annoyed as I wanted to watch Last Night in Soho, but the horror aspects put her off. Um, so we went for the French Dispatch. Uh I mean, then a few days later, a few I, days later, uh, I received another email uh, which said we didn't really know much about this film. Oh, yes. Um, my partner wasn't overly keen on seeing it because neither of us do horror and she's particularly squeamish. Yes, we are talking about the uh, last night in Soho here. Um, but a friend who saw it last week said it wasn't particularly horrific and neither was it a torture porn. So she relented through uh, I did have to promise dinner and drinks afterwards. Um, the film looks gorgeous. That first establishing uh, show when she walks down the alley into Soho and right in front of the cinema showing Thunderball was a beautiful picture. Our knowledge of 60s pop isn't probably as good as British people. We didn't really know who Cilla Black was. How do you not know who Cilla Black was? <laughs> and found it amusing to hear Dan's attempt sung in English. Uh, yes, which is downtown. Which Baby, actually in I this film is sung go. by Anya Taylor-Joy, who's one of the main yeah. casting members in this film. I'm really looking forward to seeing this. Yeah, um, yeah. Carry on. An idle observation. I notice that the soundtrack, which I love, tends to incorporate less well-known versions of songs. For example, the Walker Brothers version of Land of a Thousand Dances. The Who's Heat Wave instead of Martha and the Vandellas. Um, do you think this was an artistic choice or budget-related? I haven't seen the film yet. Mm. But knowing Edgar Wright, I'd say it was more of an artistic choice. Um, I think... He's never restricted by budget, really, these days. he He's now big enough to have the budget to choose whatever music he wants. Mm. He is a clever man, and I think he his choices always have meaning behind them. Um, if it were some budget stuff related, um, he's picked some brilliant music, certainly has, and because um, I have listened to the soundtrack, and it is an awesome soundtrack. Anyway... Back to the film, says Lawline. <laughs> Visuals aside, it was an interesting take on the well-trodden story of young girl comes to London, well, we assume come, we know nothing about Sandy's backstory, to find stardom and ends up in prostitution. We just see glimpses of Sandy's fall. Would-be singer to dancing in burlesque performance, dancing in, with businessmen to having sex. And the film didn't turn up the horror right at the end. Uh, didn't turn up the horror until right at the end, which was a relief for my partner as she only had to watch the last bit with her hands over her eyes. And that comes from Lawline as well. So great emails, really mm. fantastic. We love hearing your reviews as well. Thank you so much for, for that. Um, obviously, we haven't, we're not reviewing the French Dispatch all last night in Soho on uh, this episode. David may take those on going forward within some episodes with some guests. Um, I'm, well, I'm hoping you will. That would be fantastic. Um, 
But yeah, thank you for, for letting us know what you thought of those films. If you have seen a film recently that maybe we haven't, or you want <laughs> to give us some questions about films that we have seen, or you disagreed with a review or agreed with a, a film review that we've done, um, drop us a line. My mail is worth it at isitworthitpodcast.com. That email again is my mail is worth it at isitworthitpodcast.com. Um, do you want to move on to the next review then? Yes, let's do it. Um, and the next review is Ghostbusters Afterlife. When a single mother and her two children move to a new town, they soon discover they have a connection to the original Ghostbusters and the secret legacy their grandfather left behind. Now, I don't believe we have a clip for this. Um, I haven't seen this. I'm looking forward to seeing this when it comes out in cinemas. Um, Craig, dearest Craig, um, over to you, my friend. <laughs> Thank you very much. It was a wonderful day being invited to go and see Ghostbusters Afterlife in Leicester Square, Cineworld IMAX, no less. Um, their Cineworld, uh, well, their IMAX, sorry, is one of the best in the UK. Laser projected, absolutely fantastic. So very excited to go along to that. Um, didn't really know what to expect, I'll be honest, because it's a press screening. So I just expected lots and lots of press there. However, that was not the case. Um, there were lots of press there. There were some celebrities there. Um, hello, James A. Caster. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> and various other uh, um, fantastic people that were there. Um, we took our seats, given Prosecco and beers. Oh, and, really? And other wonderful free gifts. Popcorn in our seat. Uh, a can of water as well. A can of water? A can of water. Good Lord. So we were really spoiled. Um, Sony Pictures have really pushed the boat <laughs> can out of here. Water. They really did push the boat out there. They, they were, I mean, honestly, the, why did they push the boat out here? Well, because Jason Reitman was in town. Jason Reitman is the director of this film. He is son of Ivan Reitman who directed the original Ghostbusters 1 and 2, two absolute brilliant legendary films, and his son has taken the mantle on to direct this sequel. Now, wonderful to have Jason Reitman and Ivan Reitman come out to be introduced and uh, to introduce the film to wow. all of us there. Amazing, like incredible, and I was not expecting that whatsoever so for that to happen i was really pleasantly surprised now as a fan of the original ghostbusters um and having seen the subsequent sequel or reboot i suppose uh in recent years i was disappointed with that very disappointed um i like i, I understood what they were trying to do there now have you seen have you seen it at all? Have you seen Ghostbusters? Oh, of course I've seen Ghostbusters, yeah. Yeah, 100%? It, it, uh, you're, not, Bill, you're not lying here? No, Bill Murray has one of my favourite lines, um, which I wish I could remember, but it's bloody hilarious in the original Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. um, sorry to sort of plug a line and then not remember it, but short of stopping recording, I, I, I won't be able to give it to you. No, that's fine. So, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the rebooted one, did you see that? I don't think I've seen it, I'll be honest. If I did, I've forgotten about it. Okay, well, good. Because what they did was a gender role reverse in the yeah. reboot. And now, uh, I, I I praise them for trying to do something like that. But it, it just didn't work for me. And it was it was quite a terrible film. Um, I think it could have worked if they had actually really tried to keep the law there. But they didn't. Moving on, Ghostbusters Afterlife 
isn't so much of a reboot at all. It's more of, well, it is in a way, but it's a continuation of the original Ghostbusters film. Fantastic. Jason Reitman, fantastic work there. Um, I love that you have done that. Now, um, he's on board here. His dad's a producer here. Jason and his best mate, uh, Gil Kennan, are the writers for this film. So, you know, two mates basically rebooting a franchise. What more could you want there? Mm. Um, We have got... I'm really struggling to sort of find the words. Words fail. Um, (laughs) Again. Again. Yeah. I mean, let me ask you, I mean, did you enjoy it, firstly? Hey, I'm not going to say that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let me just bring out the cast here, though. We've got Finn Wolfhard, um, who plays Trevor, who is well known for Stranger Things. Uh, McKinnon Grace, who plays Phoebe. She's brilliant. Paul Rudd is in here as well. Uh, Carrie Coonan. A uh, man can, that never ages, Paul Rudd. Uh, no, well, he's been actually voted the world's most sexiest man. Oh, has he? He has. Finally, at the age of 408. What? <laughs> he just doesn't age, does he? How old is that man? Uh, he's about 40-something. He maybe does 50. not look. He does not look it. No, but nonetheless, um, okay, where do I go with this? So Ghostbusters Afterlife is more of a Goonies reboot in that sense ghostbusters and goonies with the law built into it it's a great continuation it it brings the franchise to new new uh what do you call it uh, ground new new ground yeah i mean new audiences is what i mean yeah. a new generation of audiences so they the younger generation are now going to be getting into ghostbusters because of it and they kind of allude to that with um these funny YouTube videos of the original Ghostbusters with their advert that they did in yeah. the original film. And I lo- and you know, they're they're trying to bring the story full circle almost and and then going trying to continue it at some point, which you know, I can't really give any spoilers away because there are some big spoilers within the film. But if I said it, people will be very disappointed with. Yeah, me. I haven't seen it, so hold off on the on the spoilers there, Craig. Of course. <laughs> what am I trying to say then? I think it hits. It hits the mark in terms of people who love the original films, and I think it's going to welcome a new generation to to absolutely loving it. The, the humor is spot on, the adventure is spot on. The, the science stuff is brilliant. The ghosts and the ghouls are fantastic. I think <laughs> I think it's it, it is absolutely brilliant. And I I I absolutely adored watching it. I I think I don't know, it's got a great touch of Spielberg in there. I think it's it's less Ivan Reitman. I think it's but it's it's more, yeah, Spielberg and Goonies sort of style. Um but I don't think that's a problem for me. I think I think that's absolutely perfect. So I think you can ask me a question, mate. Go on, yeah. go for it. Go for um, it. Enjoyed listening to that. Ghostbusters Afterlife. I felt it was like, I mean, I'm rambling a lot today. You're not. You're, you're getting worried. I think you're worried because it's your last episode. Maybe. It's a bit late. But honestly, you, you're not rambling at all. Um, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Is it worth it? Yes, this is definitely worth it, especially if you're a big fan of Ghostbusters. Anyway, I think you're going to absolutely love watching this film. It has so many 
great nods to the previous stuff um, and so many fantastic new things to explore and love and enjoy. And I'm looking forward to some kind of no- another film coming from from the people that are new to this franchise. Um, really cannot wait to see it. And uh, that was my rambly review of Ghostbusters Afterlife. So it is time for the final review that I'll be doing uh, for quite a while now. Oh, this is so depressing. <laughs> I know. And uh, it's dear Evan Hansen. And just like Evan Hansen, uh, he is an anxious, isolated high school student. I am as I'm not, I mean, I'm not a high school student, but I'm quite anxious that I'm rambling and rambling on today. Anyway, oh uh, he is a high school student who's aching for understanding and belonging amid the chaos and cruelty of the social media age. He soon embarks on a journey of self-discovery when a letter he wrote for a writing exercise falls into the hands of a grieving couple whose son took his own life. Now, before we let you know if it's worth it uh i'm gonna let you play i'm gonna play you a lovely little clip that uh, uh that is on uh my my little rowcaster pro here that if i can just press some buttons and it will uh, appear in your ears now i mean they think you're lovers you realize that right oh my god i thought you were gonna tell them the truth I, I i tried but then i just i got nervous and i started talking and then once i started i just couldn't stop they didn't want me to stop what else did you say to them? His mom thinks that we wrote emails to each other. Oh, perfect. She thinks he had, like, secret accounts? Ha, yes. Secret email accounts. That's what all the cool kids are doing. Hanson! Kelwani! Pick it up! No, thank you. What was that? I said thank you for the encouragement. Fascist. She wants to see the emails. And now you want me to make a bunch of fake emails for you. Classic. You know how to do that? It's simple coding. We failed coding. You consider a D minus failing. So that was a clip from Dear Evan Hansen. Um, as we said at the top of the show, this is an award-winning musical that's been, you know, celebrated for its achievements on the stage and um those that have seen it on the stage will be very very eager to know does it transfer from the stage to a film well i'll tell you that i haven't seen dear evan hansen on the stage so i can't comment on how it transfers from the stage to the film but i can let you know how the film is itself i this is a bit of a a guilty pleasure for me Um, I quite enjoyed this film and I quite enjoyed it for the music. I really did enjoy some of the musical numbers in here. Um, I think Ben Platt as Evan Hansen does a really, really good job. Vocally, he's on point. Um, Really enjoyed some of the the stories. Could I I jump in here very quickly? Of course you can. um, What have I said wrong? No, nothing. You haven't said anything wrong. But Ben Platt um, portrayed Evan Hansen within uh, the stage musical. Um, now the choice of casting him in this film, um, as, as, uh, Evan Hansen, um, has been quite, uh, a controversial one because of the age difference between Ben Platt and Evan Hansen within the film. Um, now if you listen to the original, um, Broadway, uh, soundtrack for the, for the, for the, for, uh, the stage production, you hear Ben Platt singing, 
And then if you listen to um, uh, the, the the original motion picture soundtrack instead, there are some differences in the way that Ben Platt performs. Now, I think vocally he's he's better in in the um, uh, motion picture soundtrack. And I think the arrangements of the music in there is better. But the controversy between his age does plague me a little bit whilst watching the film. But I like you. Like you, it is a bit of a guilty pleasure. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I I haven't made uh, any notes on this film, so I'm sort of going a bit blind with the review. Um, What really impressed me about this film was the plot here is both tragic, convoluted, confused. There's so much going on. Now, I don't know if the musical's like that as well, where there's just lots and lots happening. Um, But watching the film, I was definitely concerned as to how they were going to wrap it all up. Obviously, having not seen the musical, I didn't know the story. So I thought, you know, they've opened loads of plot lines here, loads of different stories, and how are they going to wrap it up with a neat bow? And obviously, having not seen the musical, I can only comment on the film. I was really impressed with how they wrapped this up. It was really sort of just enjoyable, but moving and I thought balanced and you know I I was sitting in this film I was actually next to Craig and the whole time whenever I watch a film with Craig it's a really weird experience watching a film with you because you you always look absolutely furious in the cinema you look like concentrating <laughs> every film you look like you're about to give it the trumpet and roast it but went in blind and having not like I said not seen the musical was really really impressed with this um you know a little bit more about the backstory and and stuff like that sort of how was this for you um did you enjoy it um the musical numbers what did you what did you think of the overall casting choices yeah just well well like, like I said before Ben Platt was obviously a, a controversial uh casting choice despite him being he is he is Evan Hansen from the stage play so or from the stage musical um, I thought Julianne Moore, who plays Heidi Hansen, so uh, Evan Hansen's mum, was a fantastic choice of mm. casting there. Uh, no less than one of the musical numbers, uh, so big, so small. I thought that was better than the stage version that I've listened to. Um, seeing it in the film, I have, I do have the visual connection to it as well, and it was very emotional that part. Uh, and that song is just beautifully sung by Julianne Moore. I I really liked the casting of of Nick Dodani, who played his kind of mate Jared, um, no less than one of the most f- fantastic um, uh, pieces of music and and movie plot. That happens within the film, and it's I can't remember which one it's called. If I try and remember what which one it was called, ah, sincerely me was yep. the name of the song. There we go. Um, this this has Connor um singing back the emails that Evan and his mate Nick or mate Nick his mate. <laughs> you see, it's tired. His mate. Uh, Jared are composing, so he's he's singing the emails, and as as they're writing them, mm. so they make mistakes, they they cancel it and rewrite it, and yeah. and it works very well from a visual point of view as well because it 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 just works. Whilst the rest of the film, the musical numbers are sung to other characters within the film, 
But what's interesting is, and it is like this for other musicals, but for this one, I noticed it a lot more, that the characters within the film don't seem to see or notice that that the that Evan is is singing to them. Yeah. It's like a he's just talking to them normally and it's a, a form of expressiveness that in his mind he's singing something beautiful, I suppose, or he's telling them a story or telling them uh, uh, some something, but it's expressed through music. And it didn't quite sit right with me when watching the film. Like, the two felt very separate. Mm. and confused within the film um which is a shame because the music is absolutely fantastic and i think whilst the plot is quite heavy and heartwarming at the same time and a little bit confused that the amalgamation of the two kind of work and you know it's a real it is a real guilty pleasure i think because it's flawed in many in many ways yet I found myself really enjoying the film and and they do wrap it up very well at the end and I think it works very well. Yet, yeah, I think that's a faithful adaptation more than a film going in the right direction, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, the way they wrapped it up, that closing sequence, those final few scenes, really, I was so impressed because I was... More because I was enjoying it and because it was a guilty pleasure, I was worried as to how they were going to wrap it up. And I think they tied a really nice, neat bow on it. What I like about this film is it makes me want to rewatch it. It makes me want to listen to the soundtrack. It makes me want to dive in and study some of the uh, actors in it. And it also makes me want to see the the, the musical. Um, so I would class this film overall as a success. If you have seen the musical on 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 the stage um, and you've seen the film. Drop us an email or a tweet. Let us know how it transfers from the stage to the screen. But overall, for me, as a, as a film, um, it's a bit of a guilty pleasure. It's got those annoyingly catchy songs. I can't remember what one it was. What was the one that we kept singing in the car on the way home? I can't, I can't remember. Uh, neither can I. But me and Craig were singing on, on the way home in the car. And I think that's testament to the film. I can see... Uh, I haven't looked at the Rotten Tomato scores, but I can see potentially some people hating it and slating it um i don't know if that's happened <laughs> i um, think critics hate it audiences quite enjoy it um i think when you're looking at it critically it's quite needy as a film and it's it's also taking some very heavy subjects here and you know you know someone within the a, 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 the main protagonist within the film is using um I don't know, using someone's death to exploit their own needs and wants for attention. And and that's quite a heavy subject yeah. in some, some instances. And it almost glorifies it in some way and makes it not honourable, but he's doing something... He's doing something to make other people feel happy in a way. Mm. And I think it... It doesn't really, you know, it, you know that what he's doing is wrong, but it doesn't really hammer that home. It doesn't, does it? No, not really. So it has its downfalls. And I think critically it is poor in that sense. And I think 
But for as a non-critic, I take that hat off. And as an audience member, I loved it. Like yeah. I really enjoyed the num the musical numbers. I think it's well written in that sense. The music musicality wise, it's brilliant. Yeah. And I think story wise as well, it, it it is quite enjoyable to watch unfold, but quite cringe at times as well. Like I sinked into my seat a few times with quite with just like oh god oh no. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Um but but it does sort of pay off at the end in some ways. And it's and it's fascinating from what you've said. Do you want to have a guess what it gets from the critics in terms of a percentage? Quite low, I'd say. 30% from the critics certify it's fresh, but 88% from an audience score of over a thousand verified yeah, ratings. I see that. I see 248 that. critics, so a lot of critics have weighed in here. And at 30%, that makes it rotten. And that makes it, I mean, that's not been absolutely pasted, but that's. And it doesn't surprise me from what you've said. Do you remember when I came out of the cinema, I said that film was full of red flags? And what do I mean by that? It's taking really heavy subject matter suicide mental health and not trivializing it but it's treading on eggshells do you know what i mean it's 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 dangerous that source material has to be handled with yeah, such care and there is a lot of humor in the film as well especially with that song that we talked about yeah yeah i enjoyed that and you know it it's not an uplifting film yet the music makes it uplifting i i don't know it's quite strange mm. it has it doesn't quite sit right with me yet i liked it yeah and it's I've, bizarre yeah um and i think unless you have anything further to add um we can probably round it off uh so i'm gonna ask you the question first dearest craig dear evan hansen is it worth it I would say that it is worth a watch, especially if you are into your musicals. A new musical coming out fairly soon, Tick, Tick, Boom, on Netflix, starring uh, Vanessa Hudgerson and uh, Andrew Garfield, I believe. Yeah. I think that would be more to those who like musicals liking. Um, based, the initial reviews, the embargo's just yeah, been lifted. If I'm Very correct, good. it's about the writer or and uh, of Rent um, yes. and his his struggle to write rent and i'm looking forward to seeing that um that might be up more people's street this for me though was an enjoyable watch yet it it it's treading a fine line of being quite cynical and um a little bit pushing the line in terms of what it can what it can talk about and what it does talk about and what it does explain and and the boundaries it's pushing here I think it could have explored some of these more hard-hitting subject matters um, in a more socially acceptable way. I the music, the music's enjoyable, yet glorifies the things that are happening within the film almost yeah. um, in some respects. And and that's a, that's that's difficult to explain, difficult to understand, and difficult for me to say yes, I enjoyed it on that, but it those two things make sense to me in some yeah. world, in some universe somewhere. It does. David, dear Evan Hansen, is it worth it? Yes. Look, I, I think it's worth a watch. Um, I think there's red flags. Like I said, I think there's the way it handles the subject matter is dangerous at times, but I think it's quite well cast. Actually. I think the, the song numbers are, are, are enjoyable. And I think that audience score reflects that the audience is going to enjoy it. So I would recommend dear Evan Hansen. I, I think it's worth a watch. 
Oh yes, and that's uh... <laughs> the look of relief on Craig's face. It is late. It is now actually gone midnight. But it uh, is, and uh, I did struggle through this episode, nonetheless, I, because it is, it is my last, but also because I'm quite tired. Which is tough for you. I, I, I guarantee you that. Um, Craig, take it away. Well, thank you very much for listening to week 62 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Uh, a very special episode for me, personally. Absolutely, and for me also. Dearest Craig, if our wonderful listeners wish to contact us, how can they do so? Well, send us an email at mymailisworthit. Did I say that right? Yes. Yeah, show at mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. That email address again is mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. Yes, that's right, Craig. We love, and I mean love, getting your emails. Thanks to Loreline and the Gaming Bear for your emails. They honestly made my day when Craig forwarded them to me. Please follow us on social media at Film Is Worth It on Twitter. Search for Is It Worth It, the film review podcast on Facebookery and Instagram. And please do engage with us on social media if you're listening online through the website you can subscribe to the podcast using apple Podcasts, spotify amazon music and all good podcasting apps indeed you can um yeah just wanted to say here craig it's been an absolute honor uh, look forward to having you back please do dear listener listen out for road to the oscars keep an eye on our social media me and craig are going to have a bit of a business meeting over a delicious luncheon uh, and discuss how things move forward but content will be coming so please do keep an eye out and if you have any questions about the oscars do do email them do tweet them and i'll try and address them on road to the oscars so all that leaves us to say is he's been david long he has been for four years Craig Fields. And for the last time in a while, this has been Is It Worth It? The The Film Film Review Podcast. Podcast. Thanks, Craig. Love you, man. Great ending. Thank you.